It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. Hi, I'm Stacy Farquharson. And I'm Stacy Trisankos. Thank you for joining us today. This is the 33rd episode of season two, and it is the third day of the 30th week of ordinary time in the Catholic Church. We're so happy that you could join us for the Stacy and Stacy podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please share our podcast with your friends and family. Subscribe. Uh, like us on Facebook. Tell us what you think. We have an email address. Book us for a retreat. Today, we're talking in the scripture reading. Stacy Farquharson is going to talk to us about honoring our parents, honor in general. Our next lesson in the catechism is the stages of revelation, which is in, in the um, very first part, the profession of faith under section one, we believe, and it's in chapter two under the revelation of God. So we're in sections of the catechism. If you're following along by numbers, it's going to be 54 through 64. The issue is how God reveals himself to people over time, to mankind over time, throughout the Old Testament, prefiguring the coming of Christ. And Stacey and I want to talk today not just about honoring those in authority like our parents, but also honoring the leaders in the Catholic Church. There's an excessive amount of criticism, um, especially among some groups of Catholics, I'm not calling any names, just saying it gets really hard for the average Catholic trying to live a life of faith when you go onto social media or Catholic news outlets and all you read about is how you can't trust the Pope, you can't trust the bishops, you can't trust the cardinals. They're trying to destroy the church. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, then why am I even Catholic? So we want to dive into that issue a little more today and suggest a few things that we can all do to help build the church and build our families. Good morning, Stacy. I'm looking forward to your prayer and I have my coffee. This is going to count as my scripture time today because I'm sitting here with you. <laughs> you grabbed your cup of coffee. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Father God, help us to lean on you this day. We love you and we praise you and we need you this day and every day. Um, just, I just pray that in everything we do and say that we would give you glory. Lord, please open the eyes of our understanding that we would understand and comprehend your scriptures. Give us fresh eyes to see you and ears to hear you. Mother Mary, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, yes, Stacy's got her coffee. So you guys, at some point today, grab a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, and your Bible, and spend some time with the Lord. He's waiting on you. <laughs> All right, so we are going to read. Um, the reading is in Ephesians 6. I'm going to read it through. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother 
This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may have a long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up with the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to your human masters with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not only being watched as curing favor, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, willingly serving the Lord and not men, knowing that each will be requited from the Lord for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Masters, act in the same way towards them and stop bullying knowing that both they and you have a master in heaven and that with him there is no partiality. There's a lot in these scriptures. Um, but how many times as mothers have we read that verse to our kids or made them memorize that verse? Obey your mother, honor and honor your father and your mother. Have you ever heard that expression? You can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Honor is like honey. In Psalm 119, it says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Honor actually sweetens the atmosphere. We've talked before about how we can change the atmosphere. When we honor someone, it changes the atmosphere because it communicates value and worth. It can soften hearts. It can change the countenances. You can watch someone's countenance change right in front of you if you if you start to honor them. It can bring down walls. So what do you think of when someone says the word honor? What do you think of? Probably respect or yeah. So honor means to highly esteem. It means to add value to when we dishonor someone or something. We treat it as common. We devalue. The Bible says course, to honor your parents. And not only do I want my kids to honor me, but I also have to honor my parents. I have to honor my kids. I honor my husband, authority figures. And when I do this, I'm leading by example. Loving one another and showing honor can seem, it can seem hard because relationships are hard. Relationships take work. Um, and we know in the world, the world's way of doing and thinking is contrary to God's. So in the world, we are expected to dominate, demand our own way, be the first, be the best so that we can get what we want. But God's way is to serve, to bless each other, to be humble, turn the other cheek, put others first. In the Bible, it tells us to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, regard others as better than ourselves and that we are to look not to our own interest, but to the interest of others. And it tells us that let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with a mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I had never seen that in the Bible before. And I was just, I was like, oh, wow. Outdo one another in showing That's honor. I love Let's that. Have an honor competition. Whoever says <laughs> yeah. <the> honor wins. <laughs> but seriously, though, we can even the scales of a disagreement by adding mm -hmm. weight to the weaker side. Now, think yeah. about that. How do we do that? Well, think about what would happen in our relationships if we began to think, how can I help them by speaking value to their weaknesses? That's wonderful. 
The Bible tells us to encourage one another. Jesus wants us to build one another up. And showing honor is one way that we can do this. And during a disagreement, if 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 we stop to think about how we can add value, speak value to someone's weakness, that's going to take a level of not only self-control, but humility, because we have to deny ourselves and we have to give up our right to be right. And that takes strength. You know, I, I used to tell my kids, and actually I still do, and just last week I had a conversation with one of my kids. It takes more strength to hold your tongue than it does to unleash it on everyone else. I can't tell you how many times I've actually had to put my teeth in my tongue and bite it <laughs> because I knew I was about to regret what I was going to say. But we are to treat others the way we want to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And when we do this, both relationships and in the church, relationships in the church, mindsets can change. We can change from what can I get from the people in my life to what can I give to the people in my life? See, honor is powerful and it can certainly create those ripple effects that Mother Teresa talked about. We mentioned it yesterday, a quote from her. She says, I can't change the whole world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. Mm-hmm. When we show honor to someone. Yeah. I believe that it creates those ripples because I believe it, it will lead as examples. And then they begin to show others honor. Okay. Yeah. So back to our children real quick. This is not <laughs> a suggestion. This is truly a commandment, <laughs> but it is a commandment with a promise, a promise we want for ourselves, but especially for our kiddos that it may go well with them and that they would have a long life on this earth. In Sirach 3, 5, it says, those who honor their father will have joy in their own children. And when they pray, they will be heard. This is a scripture I'm going to put to memory. Again, it says, bring your children up with the training and instruction of the Lord. If we show our kiddos, train them, teach them, lead by example, how to honor others then we can set them up for success, a long life. They will have joy in their own children. Our grandchildren will be happier and their prayers will be heard. Same with us. Our prayers will be heard. Mm -hmm. This is motivation for me. My kids are grown, but I can still walk it out in front of them. Mm -hmm. My grandchildren to show honor to others. And just maybe it'll be passed down from generation to generation. Again, just creating that ripple effect. The scriptures go on to say, slaves, be obedient to your human masters with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. When we work, when we serve, whether it be our bosses or families or our church, we do it as to Christ. That's what these scriptures are saying. Mm -hmm. As to Christ, as if we were serving Jesus, because we are. It tells us this in Colossians 3, whatever your task, whatever your job is, whatever you're doing, put your whole self into it. As if you're doing it for the Lord and not for men, not for your bosses, not for your not to be seen. Since we know that from the Lord, you receive your reward. You serve the Lord Christ. We serve Jesus. It is from Jesus that we get a reward, not from man. Not only when being watched, it goes on to say today's reading goes on to say not only when being watched as curing favor, but as slaves of, of, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. 
currying favor means trying to please someone to win favor in order to gain an advantage. It's kind of a manipulative thing. Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm being good when someone's watching. I used to tell my kids doing the right thing, you know, is it's, it's doing the right thing when no one's watching. That's what you do. It's it's not it's not just trying to look good, but it's not just talking the talk. But God wants us to be genuine and sincere, and He wants us walking the walk and serving Him from our hearts as as daughters, and not as servants, like we talked about yesterday. Servants who are only wanting something in return for their good service, but to serve God as a daughter who loves their father. Yeah. And then it goes on, and it says, "Be willing." To serve the Lord and not man, which we just said, that is what God wants. Knowing that each will be requited, which means rewarded mm -hmm. from the Lord, for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. It doesn't matter. Our ultimate reward comes from the Lord. It's kind of hard to say. Reward comes from the comes Lord. Comes from the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but it is God who gives the increase. And many times, many times, and I'm talking about myself, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, talking from my own experiences. We serve man. I have served man over God, chosen man over God because of the fear of rejection. I didn't want to be rejected by man, but I can tell you the rejection of God would be far worse. Mm -hmm. Why fear man? What can he do to me? If God is for me, who can be against me? It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. Mm -hmm. And then the last part says, masters, act in the same way towards them. Stop bullying. I love how plain it is in scripture. Stop bullying. Stop bullying. I mean, yeah. that's so plain. Uh -huh. Knowing that both they and you have a master in heaven mm -hmm. and that with him there is no partiality. I think it's interesting here that when we read this, the first part of the scriptures was saying, fathers, parents, don't provoke your children to anger. And then the last part says, and masters, employers, mm -hmm. don't bully. Authority, don't bully. Yeah. So whether we are a child, a daughter, a mother, a wife, a husband, employer, employee, we are all the same and that we mm -hmm. all have a master in heaven who we are to serve, who we are to honor and to love him with everything that we have, with everything that we are. Yeah. And Lord, I, I just I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable. And I pray that that we try to outdo one another and showing honor, honor. To those around us outdo one another that's <laughs> right we can also there's one last quote and i'll end with this one last quote from mother Teresa: kind words can be short and easy to speak but their echoes are truly endless like the ripples like the ripples yeah yeah that's such an important concept to honor people and i I don't think um, we lead with that a lot of times because I know I'm at least I'm one of those people. I, I sense I, I'm like a highly anxious person. So I'm constantly on the lookout for what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. And I think it's sometimes my duty. Uh, well, old Stacy thought it was her duty to always point out what's wrong with everything so that I can fix it. And um, all that really does is further divide people. So in the spirit of, Stacey, what you're going through with honoring your parents and people in authority, not bullying the others, and just general instructions from Scripture today about how to form healthy societies, and whether it's the family or a community or a nation, 
how to, or the church itself, the body of Christ, how to form healthy societies and work together at all levels. And the next lesson in the catechism is about the stages of revelation and how God makes himself known to us. So it's not just divine revelation with the coming of Christ, but the stages leading up to that in the Old Testament, it's one of the most beautiful things about the Bible, how we read the Old Testament in light of the new and the new in light of the old. The catechism from section 54 to 64 says, in the beginning, God makes himself known through creation. So creation is like the first revelation of God. Here, here's your world to live in. And then we know that that begins the relationship between God and mankind. Our first parents sinned. After the fall, they were buoyed up with the hope of salvation and the promise of redemption. So God showed them this mercy, but also there were consequences of their disobedience. Later, we have after the unity of the human race, so the human race grew after Adam and Eve and the original sin. The unity of the human race was shattered again by sin, and God sought to save humanity part by part with his covenant with Noah after the flood when he cleansed. Um, and this was this was the, the divine mercy towards the nations. Um, the state of divisions into many nations was, the, the Catechism says, cosmic, social, and religious. Um, and it was intended, intended to limit the pride of fallen humanity in, in being united, such as like at the Tower of Babel, when people were trying to build the tower all the way up to heaven because of sin, polytheism, paganism. This was against the covenant with Noah. It was people rebelling against what God had promised. And so God lets them know. And then their next part of the revelation, um, this covenant with Noah after the flood remains in force during the times of the Gentiles until the universal proclamation of the gospel in, in the New Testament. In the Bible, we see these great figures throughout this time being venerated among the Gentiles. Abel the just, the king priest Melchizedek, who was a prefigurement of Christ, Noah, Daniel, Job, who we've talked about. Scripture expresses the heights of sanctity that can be reached by those who live according to the covenant of Noah, waiting for Christ in the hope and humility. And then the next part of the story is that God chooses Abraham in order to gather together scattered humanity. God calls Abram from his country, from his father's house, turns, renames him Abraham, the father of a multitude of nations. And the people from Abraham then would be the trustees of the promise made to the patriarchs, the chosen people called to prepare for the day when God would gather all his children into the unity of the church. So again, it's leading up to the New Testament. We, we have a great number of, of um, saints in the Old Testament, actually, the patriarchs, the prophets, and other certain figures in the Old Testament were, who were part of the salvation story. Then after that, after the patriarchs, God formed Israel as his people by freeing them from slavery in Egypt. And we know that story, how God's leading his people out of Egypt into freedom to the promised land. And again, what do the people do? Um, they don't always trust God. They don't always thank God. They forget the bigger story, and they get focused on the problems of their day. Nevertheless, God leads them out to, to the promised land. So what the Catechism says then in 64, the last part of what I'm covering today, 
Through the prophets, God forms his people in the hope, I love that word, the hope of salvation, in the expectation of a new and everlasting covenant intended for all to be written on our hearts. The prophets proclaim a radical redemption of the people of God, purification from their infidelities, a salvation which will include all nations. And I love this sentence right here. Above all, the poor and humble of the Lord will bear this hope. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it ends with saying, and such holy women as Sarah, Mm -hmm. Rebecca, Rachel, Miriam, Deborah, Hannah, Judith, and Esther kept alive the hope of Israel's salvation. The purest figure among them is Mary. So there's a whole history here, a huge history throughout the Old Testament leading to the hope that we're supposed to have today. Okay, fast forward into today. Stacey Trasankos wants to say something about <laughs> how Catholics behave today because, and, and I'm, I'm trying myself to take my own advice and not just be right fighting and griping, but Hey, look, Catholics out there. I know there are news sources. I know there are certain people, influencers on the internet or whatnot, even just people we run across in daily life. It, we're comp Stacy and I are converts. So we're telling you what it looks like from our side. It absolutely floors me that there are people who say I'm a good, they seem to be saying I'm a good, faithful, traditional, orthodox, whatever, Catholic. I'm a good Catholic. But all they do is point out problems in the church. You know, don't trust these cardinals. Don't trust the lavender mafia. The Pope is trying to ruin the church. Don't trust the Pope. I can't tell you how damn it. And, and I've heard that. I was, I was becoming Catholic when John Paul II was Pope. I was Catholic during Pope Benedict XVI, and I love him, absolutely love reading his works, and and I've been Catholic during Pope Francis. People are always complaining about the Pope. It was, in, mm-hmm. it was incredibly damaging when the first time somebody told me John Paul II is not really the Pope. Pope mm-hmm. Benedict XVI is not really the Pope. And now you have people saying Pope Francis is so messed up. He's trying mm-hmm. to destroy the church. And and you're a Catholic and you're like, what what are you telling me? Don't be Catholic. <laughs> like, are you trying to dishonor the church? And there are people out there. And, and I know that if I had to confront any one of these people, they would quickly point out to me all the good that they do. But, you know, if if you spend a lot of time slandering people, calling people hierarchy, people in the hierarchy out, um, talking negatively about them. You may think that you're pointing out something wrong that needs to be set right, but you're dishonoring the authority. You're dishonoring the church. And and to people kind of looking at the church saying, hey, why do I want to be a part of this? <laughs> you're yeah. you're kind of telling us, don't be what I am. You know, don't be Catholic like me because everything's so messed up. So I would really put a call out today to anyone who who maybe feels compelled to publicly criticize other Catholics by name, including people in authority, Catholics in authority, maybe take a pause. And instead of doing that, do what Stacey Farquharson said in the first part (laughs) and what the scriptures tell us today. Instead, find a way to show honor to people. Maybe Mm -hmm. look at your own priest in your own parish and say, Hey, what can I do to build the church right here where I am? No, that's, that's great. It's, it's devaluing the church. It's, Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, I just remember when I was coming into the church, when I was converting and 
right when I was converting, like towards the end where I was already, I, you know, I was, I knew that I wanted to do it. And then even right after I, I first converted, I had Catholics ask me why. Why would you want to be Catholic? <laughs> I know it was way so to evangelize. <laughs> but but if they had asked me those questions when I had first started my journey, I would probably have second guessed myself. But by the time I had you know come to know that I was going into God's church, this is what I was following God, and I had told them, "I'm not following a man. I'm following the Lord. I know this is where He wants me. I want to be a part of His church." It was almost like they were trying to plant seeds of doubt. I would definitely uh, encourage people not to do that for sure. <laughs> Good morning, Miss Evelyn. My granddaughter is up and playing with her toys. Right. And I want to be specific to the moral acts that we're talking about. If you are laity, the regular folks among us, and you take to social media to share negative comments about a priest, a bishop, a cardinal, or even the Pope, you risk committing the sin of slander, which is the spoken word, or libel, which is the written word, because you do not have all the facts. You risk slander or libel. This is inherent in any hierarchy in any organization. The people down the hierarchy don't have all the facts about what goes on at the top. And I know a lot of us don't like that, but it's the truth of these situations. I know, I know some will protest and say they do have a duty to protest if they think something wrong is happening at the, the higher echelons of the hierarchy. Maybe. But if you, a would-be internet influencer or writer for Catholic publications. If you speak publicly against the ordained leaders of the church, you are for sure gossiping and backbiting because the leaders don't have the opportunity to respond. There are ways to work within the hierarchy. Does it take patience and more work than a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter post, or even essay written? Yes, but it's more responsible and more effective. I know what I'm talking about here. I have worked for the church uh, for about three years. There are things I saw that I can't unsee. It's not like working in heaven. It's working in a very fallen human organization um, with fallen humans. And I get it. I also know what works and what doesn't work because I have taken my own advice here. Don't publicly divide the church because you do harm to the people listening to you and you, you don't know who all's listening to you. You don't know these people. That's the risk of saying something negative in public. Devote yourself if you're troubled by what's going on in the church. Instead of making a public show of it and talking about people behind their back, devote yourself instead to steadfast work within the system and more so to steadfast prayer. Trust the Holy Spirit trust the Holy Spirit. There will always be problems in any human organization. Always. Seek to be a leader in the sense of healing and bringing unity. What, what we just talked about with the history in the Old Testament of God revealing himself to the church. Take what passion you have. Take that passion and ask God what you can do in your time and your place to build the church where you are. If there's a leader that you're troubled about, pray for that leader. Write to that leader privately. Seek a meeting with that leader. There are ways to do that. It can be done. You have to be persistent, but you can do it. Better yet, find ways to build the church where you are in your own parish. Ask God what he wants you to do. And remember, again, discernment takes lots of prayer. So 
ask God what you can do to build the church where you are. Yep. On that happy note. (laughs) (laughs) Honor your parents. Honor your parents. Right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm Stacy Trisakos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information. <laughs>